Dear Lord, we're grateful for your caring for us over the centuries as a people. We'd ask that you, we would not be faithless in learning of you. In your son's name, amen. Well, we're in Psalms 27. Now, the reason we're in Psalm 27 uh, is that uh, uh, we are unorganized. So it's not like this is the next on the list. Uh, we are uh, the kind of church that gets into discussions during the night. We were sitting on the porch last night and Nick and Lisa were over and Davis and Manisha were over and Drew was over and I think Gunn was over as well. And uh, we were in a conversation about the Lord. Just about some issue, some problem that we um, all face. We're in that kind of community where, oh, and this is the rule. You don't say we are living in community. You say we are living in a community. Community, if you just say just community, it sounds really pretentious. Somebody got lost. People are slowly coming in, kids are losing it. And the people on SoundCloud are going, what in the world goes on in Idaho? Well, well, people bring donuts into church. That's what they, what they do. And Okay. I think we have the same number of people we had a second ago, it's just different people. Well, I was in a conversation with uh, Greg during the week, and I think uh, Kenny was over at some point, Kenny and Rachel, and we were talking about similar things. And you've heard of the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. People like that title. It just just, uh, registers with them um, emotionally, devotionally. Um, But you don't want to just go... Yes, that's what I'm doing, grasshopper, practicing the presence of God. But I wanted to think about that and the idea of the presence of God. You know, all the way down to the Clapton song back in the day, the presence of the Lord. Great song. I think he wrote it on heroin. So he wasn't actually practicing the presence of the Lord. Um, but there's a number of references scripturally about the concept. The um, so as I was looking at passages, trying to say, okay, where will I land? What will I start with? Got to Psalm twenty-seven, and the whole psalm held the idea that I was looking for, for the most part. We have a few references on the left-hand side. One thing we need to be aware of is when we say the presence of the Lord. It is either, you're either talking in metaphor, or really I'm just trying to be the person where the idea of my God is somehow in the idea of me and, and I'm being affected by it. You're not really saying the presence of God is with the actual geographical presence of heaven. But the saints in antiquity did. There is a degree of 
actuality to what they were saying. When it says in Psalm 23, uh, at the very end, was it? Uh, anybody have Psalm 23 memorized? Yeah, it when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was, in David's mind, that's the presence of the Lord. You know why? Because it was the presence of the Lord. The presence of God dwelt on the mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. And when David went to the house of the Lord, he was in the presence of the Lord. But even there, and that's true with Solomon's temple, it's true with Herod's temple. The idea of the presence. In fact, matter of fact, I think in Ezekiel one time during a judgment against the Jews, Ezekiel has a vision of the presence of the Lord leaving the temple. But they also knew that they weren't talking about Zeus hanging out in the temple. I have this verse on the left-hand side. 1 Kings 8.27, this is Solomon's prayer regarding his building of a temple. And he says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. They're not primitives, they're not aborigines, they, they understand, and we're, we're dealing with the transcendent God, heaven and highest heaven cannot contain thee, and I'm going to build a little squatty Middle Eastern building, and put a little gold rack there, and say the presence of God is contained in this. No, they knew better than that. So, they still thought in the presence of the Lord's senses. It was not a contradiction. It wasn't like, oh, sometimes we think he's kind of small, like, like Apollo running around. And sometimes we think he's really big in a platonic sense. Because you have... Remember the story where Cain kills his brother? Abel. And how right before that, they were talking with the Lord. And they were talking with the Lord. They were not prophesying. They were talking with the Lord. He was there. And then at the end of the judgment on Cain, after he kills his brother, he fled from the presence of the Lord. Or off to the land of Nod. Was it the land of Nod? Um, um, away from the presence of the Lord. And in Cain's life... Like if you moved to Boise, you'd be away from the presence of these saints here. That's just unavoidable. God was in the place where Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and various other kids of Adam and Eve lived. And they talked to them about the sacrifices and he ended up in trouble and so he hated his brother and killed him. And then he left the presence of the Lord. Jonah does the same thing when he's told to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to do it. And he fled from the presence of the Lord. I want you to, I want you to make a place, because sometimes when you have Platonic definitions for God, God becomes such a Hellenized over-definition that he becomes 
oh yeah, you used all the omni terms, you used all the big things. Now, I'm not telling you not to believe that. I'm telling you that God, even though heaven and highest heaven could not contain him, there is a presence to the Lord with which we deal. I want to read, starting at Psalm 27 here. Now, David is, is just naturally uh, in trouble, like he usually is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, uttering slanders against me, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Now, that was real life for David. When he said, a host encamp against me, it's not like you thinking that some of your girlfriends are some, saying something bad about you and you want to phrase it as a host encamped against you or evildoers assailing you. He had his own children rebelling against him. He had Philistines fighting against him. He had war. He was so into war that he was kept from building the temple of God because he was a man of blood. He killed a lot of people. When his father-in-law, future, offered him Michael as a bride, the bride price was 100 foreskins of Philistines, and he said, ah, 200. He kills 200 people gratuitously as a bride price for his wife. These are real strains. Just like when I'm suggesting to you that the presence of the Lord which Cain left and Jonah fled. Real problems find their answer here. So whatever problems you have, and you're not in, out on the battlefield, one thing, verse 4, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. Now, for a person who has actual problems, I think it's wonderful that he puts this one thing, he scoots it to the front. Because at his day, it's a tent. It's a traveling, you know, P.T. Barnum big top. Without the top. And all he can do is go down to wherever it was located, Shiloh or wherever, and walk into the enclosed tent space and be on just as dirty a ground as he was outside the tent. And that was his place to prefer over all these stressors that were in his life. The things he asks for, look at those. He wants to be there. Just being there is something. I, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. The same thing in Psalm 23. All the days of my life, forever. 
Now, one of the things that, 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 if anything, as you would describe things going on in the scriptures, you might not share David's circumstance, but you're saying, I want you to grab hold of stuff and go, is there any way I could use this to measure me? We have too many Christians talking about other people, and not enough Christians thinking about themselves, and not in some sort of self-absorbed narcissism, but checking. We have hypocrisy. We have, we have accusing others. You want to be sure that you actually want to be in the presence of the Lord all the days of your life. Not only that you want to be in the presence of the Lord all the days of your life, and not because you're, you know, 45 and you're kind of a woman who needs a hobby, and so it's going to be the church. God help it. Because the, the nation is filled with church ladies. Men do it differently. Men want to get involved, and they, so they start to ramp up on all the theological works that their particular line of thought is big about because men want to be, you know, fighting smarty pants. The women want to be efficient managers of the broader Christian home, the welcomers at the door, the providers of the donuts. Thank you, whoever did the donuts. I had two. Our dwelling in the house of the Lord is not because of what were you going to use it for, and it's not this house. To behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. That above everything that besets you, evildoers, adversaries, a host, and war, what would you possibly want? Well, you don't say, I want peace on earth. You say, I want to dwell in the presence of God. I would like... It's almost as if he's given up the world to what it naturally does. There's always going to be war. Even our Lord says that. There will always be wars and rumors of war. People are still going to die. They're going to marry. They're going to raise families. That someone like Anna Berry is going to have a stroke. It's the end of her life. It's not going to stop. What you have beset in you, even if it's nowhere near as bad as David's, it's going to be the same for all of us. Things are going to beset us. People will do us wrong. One thing have I asked of the Lord. I want to be in his house, and this is not a sermon to get better attendance, because I know that's an impossibility with this group. But it's a it's another dipstick for you to run into yourself. Is, do this, is this what I want? Do I want to be in the presence of God? Now we're going to talk about the presence of God itself. Since we're not a temple, a temple is a house of the God. Whether it's a temple of Baal or the, the, the temple of Zeus in, in Olympia or the temple of Yahweh in Jerusalem, they were the houses of the God because the presence of the Lord, the presence of the God himself, dwelt there. That's why each temple looked kind of the same. You go to a temple of Baal in Ugarit, and it kind of looks like what you picture the temple of God in Jerusalem would have looked like. They have holies of holies, and they have altar areas, and they have priesthoods, and everybody knows what they, the standard thing. It's a house of the God. This is not that. This is a church. This is an assembly hall. 
So we're not, we're not looking, we're looking for some place where the God is. Because all the days of your life, because think how bad that is to say you don't want that all the days of your life. Well, I, I really want to dwell in the house of the Lord some of the time. Other times I want to be in the house of name your other God. You sound faithless, don't you? you, you but you, you know it's going to be hard to say, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Let's replace that with the presence of the Lord. Because that's what he's saying. For the beauty of the Lord and inquiring of the Lord. It's an important um, measure of ourselves. I have this long passage out of Exodus on the left-hand side. This is where Moses is talking to God on the mount, getting the law for the Jews. Moses said to the Lord, See, thou sayest to me, bring up this people, but thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, I have found, if I have found favor in thy sight, show me now thy ways, that I may know thee and find favor in thy sight. Consider, too, that this nation is thy people. This is Moses' thing with, he is talking to this agent on the mount People don't, this is, as far as they're concerned, a kind of a new God. He has been just been announced to Moses before this thing with Egypt that by name, this is how God has given his name, Yahweh, in history. No one knew him by that name before. Though Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worshipped that God, they did not know him by name. And he is talking to this spiritual agent, Kind of like Cain and Abel talked to God. And he wants to find favor. He says, I found favor in your sight. If I have, work with me. Show me thy ways that I may know thee and find favor in thy sight. That part, I want you to say, well, what am I getting? What am I, with the presence of the Lord is not just you having an emotional, religious high that you're feeling. If you have a emotional, religious, there are some people doing this wedding yesterday. Jessie, in her vows, was shaking like a meth addict. I mean, she was couldn't get the ring on his finger because their hand was shaking so much. I'm not that sort of person. I didn't reprimand her. So some of you may be more emotional and enjoy those religious highs you get. God bless you. That's fine. But we, what we're all seeking together, what David says in Psalm 27, the beauty of the Lord and inquiry of the Lord. We, we want to gain that. And, and Moses wants to gain knowledge of his ways, knowledge of him, and more favor. And look what God says in verse 14 there. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
pretty, you could, you could say, boy, that'd be a broad statement. That's, that's almost a soft focus picture of a field with a cow, and you could put that on it and it would have meaning to people because it would make them feel good. But this is what God really did. This is Mount Sinai. Remember the, 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 the pillar of flame, the cloud by day and the pillar by night? The presence of God resting on the mercy seat. His presence went with them as they carried away from Sinai after this, after they built the Ark of the Covenant. This presence of God. And he said to him, If thy presence will not go with me, do not carry us up from here. Not only do we want to dwell in the house of the Lord, so that his beauty and inquiry and knowledge of him and favor of him rests on you. You don't want to leave and go somewhere else without him. And they're thinking geographically here. I don't want to leave wherever Sinai was. And it's debatable where Sinai was. I don't want to leave. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in thy sight? I and thy people. Got that? If the presence of the Lord is not in you, bringing the things that are requested, favor, knowledge, beauty, answers, how shall it be known that they have been found favor in thy sight, I and thy people? It is not in thy going with us so that we are, is it not in thy going with us, so that we are distinct, I and thy people, from all other people that are on the face of the earth. What is the difference between Christ and his church and the rest of the world? If your integrity is no better than the average good businessman, so how are we going to find out about this holiness unless we stand in the presence of the holy? You have to be seeking the place he is at, at which he is, is that better English? The Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. So God is making himself available in this way to Moses because of the favor already gave. So wherever you stand, you have as a believer, as a person who has stepped forward toward God, he has favored you and he offers you more. The same thing that he has Moses build is what David is visiting 400 years later. The 1440s BC and David's around 1000 BC. He's visiting the same tent. And God has said, since you are all ready to hear, I will give you this presence. I will know you by name. Moses then says, because you know, you're, you're on a mountain, it's already kind of, you know, Ari, you know Eddie Bauer, REI, something like that. You're some moment in, in the, the, the heights. And God is talking to you. And you're negotiating with God. And Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. 
stashed for a little bit, just a little bit more. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim to you my name, the Lord. That's where he says, my name, Yahweh. Those capital letters are, is the word Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Do you understand? This is the, the tension between who is the, uh, God who cannot be contained by the heaven of the highest heavens, let alone in this house. If we attempt to contain him, however you do it, definitionally or physically or whatever else, you'll be, you'll be off, off track. But you can have the presence of God. You could be meeting with the presence of God in the same way David sought to, the same way Moses had, the same way Cain ran away from and, and uh, Jonah fled. You, there's a presence, but it isn't God and his transcendence, because God and his transcendence would kill you. And so he puts Moses in a cleft of the rock. We have a song that we sing about it, which kind of takes all the sublimity out of it. He hideth me now in the cleft of the rock and covers me there with his hand. Repeat, he covers me there with his hand. It turns it into a kind of a love song when in reality it's some mountain climber talking with the living God asking to see that which he cannot see and is denied but given a sliver of it. Moses was allowed to see the back of God. That's about it. But my face shall not be seen. So when we know that there's this you finite man, woman, climb what mountains you will, attend what temples, or walk into whatever glens in a forest that you have, can stumble across and feel this is, this is a holy place. Whether you think it's a holy place or whatever else, you're there in pursuit of God. You're, in the, you're there to see him, and you're not going to see him all. Let's read on in Psalm 27. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. He's talking about the tabernacle here. He says this is, a tent is his protection. This is not wise castle building. You don't make them out of fabric. Now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Think in terms of what David's proposed reaction is in far worse circumstances you're in. He knows he would rather be in the presence of the Lord because of what the beauty and the knowledge will provide him. And he knows that his protection is in that so much that with shouts of joy he will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Thou hast said, Seek ye my face. My heart says to thee, Thy face, O Lord, do I seek. Hide not thy face from me. Just like Moses. You're wanting, you're wanting to see. If you read uh, Lewis's Till We Have Faces, at one point, 
in the story, The Ugly Sister, decides that to quit doing this nonsense and puts a veil on. And as soon as she puts a veil on, everybody in the nation thinks she's beautiful. She's not. She's ugly. But everybody wants to see behind the veil. Everybody's amazed by what the veil hides. We know that we are benefited in many ways. Not just our life is preserved, because you cannot see the face of God and be preserved. But you can want to. But you're not going to want to. God encouraged us to seek his face. You say, well, that's just a metaphor. Yeah. But there were people in history who really had the opportunity and really stood there before him and he denied them to preserve their lives. We just don't want him to hide his face at any level from us. We want to know who it is we're talking to, who it is we're praying to. We want to enjoy more and more of his glory. When David says, here's a, here's a Conan the Barbarian sort of guy. And he wants to sit before the Lord in the tabernacle and meditate on the beauty of the Lord and inquire things of God. Turn not thy servant away in anger, thou who hast been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. What do you seek? If you're, if you're looking for some kind of jolt so that your religious duties will be taken care of if you feel enough from the Wednesday night prayer meeting and jumping a few pews or singing raucous enough songs, whatever it is. Or you want to know the way of God. You want to see the beauty of God. You want to inquire of him. What are the things Moses wanted? Favor. Accompaniment. Teach me thy way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Now, in Paul's, not Paul's, this guy again, King David. King David's life, as I keep mentioning, he had real political problems. Real war problems. Real enemies. But he wants the teaching of the same Lord that you serve. Now it's been 3,000 years. 3,000 years since the guy who wrote this wrote it. And we are sitting here gathered in front of the same Lord, hopefully seeking his beauty and inquiring things of him, desiring to see always more of him, wanting to know his way of doing things. Now, a lot of these things are going to just they sound all good they sound all pious but if you don't feel them saying you feel them or you're trying to get everybody to get on board with the idea of a ministry built around seeking God this way that's not what we've got to do every person has got to decide like David decided himself to uh, want to be taught by God want to be taught the ways of God by God now, so where are we? We don't have a temple. We're not waiting for the Jews to retake the Temple Mount in Jerusalem 
and rebuild, I hope you're not, rebuild the uh, temple so you have some place to go. Or you could really, if you made some money, build a, uh, put Moscow, Idaho on the map by building a full-scale replica of the tabernacle fully with embroidered cherubim. Is that, oh, what are you going to, or, 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 you know, I have an art background. There's a church up in Spokane, St. John's. Um, lovely uh, medieval cathedral. Lovely. My personal belief is God is not honored in that in any way, just because it's liberalism run amok, but it's a beautiful building, and you can feel really religious in there. And some of you feel even more religious than where you have been to church before in this town because we have pointy windows. You can, you can find a place, or you can go out to the woods. You can go out, we were talking about this in the library the other day, the, the idea of turning a corner in either a big canyon or a line of cedars planted in rows and their tops are in the heavens and you feel suddenly spiritual. Is that what we mean by seeking the presence of the Lord? That's why they built the altars on the high places. Now it may be that the presence of the gods was tied to those places. I don't have a problem with that. But we're not pointed that direction as Christians. Look what it says in John, 1 John 4. He follows along right after Moses. No man has ever seen God. And by that, I mean Moses saw his back, but not his face. No man has ever seen the face of God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his own spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now you know where the tabernacle is. And why? If we love one another, the presence of God dwells with you. If you confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, God abides in you. We're, we're trying to find the places where to go. And it's geographical, because if God dwells in you, if you move to Wook, Iowa, God's going with you. The presence of the Lord. And it's because of Jesus Christ, which says, no man has seen the Father, right? But we did see Jesus. And Christ said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, so these are deep things, Evan. Trinitarian deep things. Okay, knock yourself out. But the beauty of the Lord, to inquire of the Lord, to receive the grace from the Lord, to not be turned away in anger, to be taught. We want the presence of the Lord. We need to know where the temple stands. Where is the true temple of God? What God has done in you, 
That's why we were described as being made into a temple of the living God, with each of you living stones being made. And these are not just some bad English 104 writing assignment for the apostles who said, oh, how about if we're a temple? You're a temple. You're the living place of the God, geographically. And how you stand there, how, what you're doing, how you're being, you're, one of the key things in the Reformation was the priesthood of all believers. We are all priests of this temple. And Jesus Christ, our high priest, and we have seen God himself because we have seen Jesus. But these are all moods and motives. What are the, there are a lot of people who want to get involved in institutions because it gives them something to mess with in power. Some people want to do other things with religion. You have to be wanting the beauty of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, the ways of the Lord. Because if you want to see what he wants, if you want to see the kind of world that Yahweh designs in people, that's the bowing of the knee you have to do, loving one another, believing in his son. David says in verse 13, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not all pie in the sky by and by. It is that. But you can believe that when you pursue the presence of the Lord, and believe me, I'm, I'm not trying to, I, being artistic and poetic and so forth, I believe in the actual presence of God in certain places on the planet. I don't know where those places are, but I've been a few places that made me feel like it. I'm not saying that those aren't the places, but those aren't the places where I can be as sure as the Apostle told me, he is in me. He is in you. That's what abiding in means. The Lord <coughs> occupies his temple. That's what a temple is. Those other places are, are you might say, more poetic, more metaphoric, maybe even actual. But I begin with where he told me he was visiting this earth. He told me he was visiting this earth in his son, and then his son took occupancy in his believers. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. What more do you want? Then it says, so I'm, I'm saying the promises are these. David's feeling that this is not just for later. This is for now. I expect to be rescued. I expect to be benefited. These are things that are going to change who you are, how you walk down the street, so that unlike everybody else who's got some ticket to sell, you're going to show by what God has done in you how different you are from the rest of the world. That the presence of the Lord is something it's not because of what church you go to. It's because whether or not you have loved the brethren. When you have believed in Jesus the Christ. Then it says, wait for the Lord. 
Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yea, wait for the Lord. When I got to that place, it is one of those Bible-y phrases. Yeah, wait for the Lord. Wait on the Lord. There's an assumption that the presence of the Lord is not in some circumstances. And it can be expected in, those circ- in, some, in some circumstances. And that non-presence, waiting for the presence, is what you're doing. You're waiting for God to show up. And so when you say that, what do you mean? What are you waiting for? Not just a religious jolt, not just turning a corner on a hike, and getting, <gasps> taking a picture on your cell phone. They give me back home and I wonder why it just doesn't turn out so glorious on your computer screen, but what do you wait? Are you really seeking the beauty of the Lord? Are you really seeking to inquire after him, to be taught his ways? Or would you rather just have a few low-level nature hike experiences with sublimity? few religious moments with priests with funny hats doing rituals or do you want to be the temple of the Lord and stand in the presence of God let's thank God dear Lord we're grateful that you have stood with us joined with us made us your tabernacle made us your temple we'd ask that we would be seeking to be in that temple, sitting in your presence, marveling at your beauty, being taught your ways, inquiring of you on all the things that we face. That we would stand out in this world as a testimony of God's presence with his people. Yes, we ask in your son's name. Amen.